The most obvious tax benefit is that you get to make money, make more money, and potentially not necessarily pay more tax. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another fun episode on the Immigrant Doctor podcast. I have uh, Larry D. West III. He is the founder of Precision Business Strategies that helps uh, real estate investors and business owners develop timely and accurate financial insights to make better better to make better business decisions, pardon me. So, you know, Larry is a tax strategist. And um, a lot of times we wonder, like, what is a tax strategist? So, you know, we have our CPAs and we have our specialists, but a lot of times in businesses, there are a lot of nuances of the tax code itself um, that you need to kind of discuss with somebody who's adept at understanding this of how you can uh, use this tax code to your advantage, or you know, if I rephrase it, how do you comply with taxes with uh, at the same time not overpaying for taxes? And that's essentially what Larry helps with is like tax planning. He does. He also has a team that you know works. He works with CPAs and and has his own uh, business around that and helps people file their taxes as well. But I think uh, I think the the depth of knowledge that he has about taxes is where his real real is the real value where where he you know where he shines so i want to welcome larry to the show welcome larry hey thank you thank you appreciate you having me thank you so much for joining you know our worlds collided when uh, when i had met you in dallas actually in per- in person um, on vena's uh, vena jetty's uh, uh, event mm-hmm. and it was so funny vena had asked me at that time uh, do you have a tax strategist? And I was like, what is a tax strategist? And she was like, oh, you haven't have met a tax strategist. You've got to have a tax strategist on your, uh, <laughs> on your phone because uh, on your speed dial, because, you know, they can help you. And it's interesting because I was thinking on those lines and I had, you know, I'd already started investing in real estate, real estate, of course. And I was wondering how I can have somebody who understands real estate specific tax code to help me because the challenge that I faced was that I am working with my CPA and I, I've been okay. I mean, I'm fairly happy with what the service that they provide. So I didn't necessarily want to leave their service, but at the same time I was wanting somebody who can help me understand the nuances of tax and help me kind of be the bridge between me and my CPA. And that's when she mentioned about you. So I want to, you know, dive into Taxes, you know, it's it's a, it's a fun topic for very few people. But let me say, when you start saving money on, on taxes, I think it becomes fun for everybody. Everybody oh, loves yeah. uh, uh, saving money, right? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I always say taxes aren't the sexiest subject. But anytime you make money, all roads lead back to tax in some capacity. And then when you start saving tax, all of a sudden it becomes a fun thing to talk about. <laughs> Right. And, you know, um, a lot of times for high net worth individuals, like who earn a lot of money, especially who are W-2, taxes are their biggest expense. Mm -hmm. Like for me, my taxes are my biggest expense. And it's painful to see that I'm working so hard, not not to say that we shouldn't pay taxes. I mean, they go, they have a purpose to solve. But I think it's it's just painful to see that you're you're working so hard and, you know, nearly half of your paycheck is getting wiped away by taxes. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, especially if you live in a uh, in, in states that have high state tax, right? You think New York, you think California, even Illinois to a certain extent. Uh, but you're right; taxes do tend to be the largest expense, and everybody should pay their fair share, right? They they exist for a reason. They have certain use uh, within the government. But there's nothing wrong with having strategy to pay the least amount possible legally, right, and ethically. Right. And so there are a number of things that folks can do to to achieve those goals. 
Yeah, and the flip side is that, you know, these legal ways of saving on taxes were devised for a reason. Like they're in they're in the code. They they're, they're mm-hmm. there for a reason. So it's not it's not illegal because it's legal, but it's it, it's there for a for a very particular reason. Yeah. Um and so we're going to dive into this. So let's talk about what are these tax advantage investments. Yeah, so when when you think about it from that perspective, you you think about the things that um, the government has in terms of their agenda, right? The things that they want to incentivize. And that's typically where the tax advantages come into play. Uh, real estate in terms of providing housing to the general public and, and to the community or even housing and, uh, and foundation for businesses. Real estate tends to be one of the more tax advantage spaces, but it's because investors are essentially uh, investing their dollars to provide some type of housing or some type of closure to organizations and or individuals. So you see massive tax benefits there. When you think about um, spurring innovation, right? Making investments specifically in research and development uh, when, when we're thinking about improving a processy or improving a device and different things like that. There's also um, incentives in terms of retaining workers. We just went through a pandemic. There's a lot of tax opportunities that came about for organizations that had to experience and weather the storm of COVID, yet they still kept their workers engaged with the employee retention tax credit. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And so essentially, the, the, the big thing to think about here is what are the government's priorities and what are they incentivizing? And you can almost bet tax advantages are hiding behind that somewhere. And, you know, um, one step above that is the fact that when you're running a business, whether it's multifamily, whether it's any other business that you're running, right? You, if we have somebody like you who's who's abreast with the latest that's happening in the tax world, you can help us kind of navigate those, uh, navigate and take advantage of those taxes by strategizing our business or developing our business on those lines. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And so uh, we often get the question, uh, Vishkar, is, is, well, when do I need a tax strategist? When do I need to sit down uh, and talk to someone? And I often say that it's as soon as possible. The moment you get into industry or get into business or even have the thought, it's worth having a conversation with your CPA, your tax strategist, your accountant to get the insight that you need to structure the business appropriately. Because you may be thinking of a particular industry and may not be aware of all the opportunities that could be afforded to you simply by pivoting your strategy to focus on a certain segment or a certain market uh, and different things like that, let alone the the obvious deductions that you get when you start to own a business. And so having the conversation on the front end typically will save you a lot of money on the back end. I mean, we, we talk about real estate a lot, right? People say you make your money when you buy, and it's no different when it comes to strategy and planning. You make your money on the front end, investing in good strategy so that you have a good ROI on the backside. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, we're talking about these different tax advantages, right, that, uh, that government offers. But I think traditionally there are a few investment classes that these these tax advantages have been tied to and i just want to dive into this because the most commonly known the most pro- well known is real estate mm-hmm. what are the other investment categories that you can invest invest in and get these you know these tax advantages yep so so real estate is an obvious one um some other areas as i mentioned before um are research and development that have some tax advantages um but actually do, do we want to take a deeper dive into real estate specifically or uh do we want yes, to go into the other ones c- I think we'll come back to that. I just want to touch on the others because I want to let people understand that, you know, it's not just not everything is real estate. And there are these 
other other asset classes also available uh, i mean of course my my favorite right now is real estate most multifamily i believe in it and i think that offers great uh, tax advantages so we can we'll certainly talk about that but i just want to give a flavor of um, other asset classes also that offer tax advantages, yep, which people uh, should be considering, especially you know high net worth individuals. Just for diversification, it's important to know all of this. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, oil and gas has some uh, tremendous tax benefits, especially on the front end uh, in year one when you talk about bonus depreciation, accelerated depreciation, uh, tons of opportunities that happen in that space. Um, I mean, even things with with respect to the market, right? When you think about investing in companies that have perhaps dividend reinvestment programs and stock programs and, and uh, items like that, ownership. When you sell an asset, the tax rate, which is typically capital gains, is a lot more favorable than your ordinary income tax rate. Uh, and so, I mean, you could even go into things that are in the market. Um, so we mentioned oil and gas, you got real estate, you got the market, you got research and development. You've even got solar uh, and energy related tax credits where uh, simply buying a energy efficient vehicle like a Tesla could yield uh, up to $7,500 in tax credits, let alone putting solar on your roof at your primary home uh, or even at your place of business could have tremendous tax credits as well. Those are definitely some different areas where folks can invest some dollars and get tax benefits. And, you know, these, I think what you're talking about are like at the federal level, right? At the federal level, these tax Mm -hmm. advantages. But even at the state level, especially, you know, talking about real estate, like there are, there are, there might be what we call opportunity zones or there are tax abatement zones that can actually help you with the local taxes that that, that the state is uh, taxing you on uh, because of what's going on locally. Yep. Yep. Uh, the the local side could have tremendous benefits, and this would be a, a testament to anyone who's in the uh, development space uh, with regard to uh, construction and, and building real estate. You've got kind of these historical um, tax credits. You've got the um, low income housing tax credits. You've got a number of things. And again, the key here is well, what are the areas that the government wants to spur some type of um, uh, production? And that's where you can follow behind it and find a, a lot of tax opportunities and a lot of tax benefits lying. Uh, but the state and local side, there could be a lot of things there. I mean, even as simple as home ownership, when you think about the exemptions, the homestead exemptions that are afforded to, uh, to you, there are a lot of different things that could help ease the tax burden, state, local, on up to the federal side. Um, let's talk about, you know, uh, multifamily and real estate, you know, because that's the space that I'm sort of operating in. Um, what are some of the tax benefits of investing in real estate? Yep. So the most obvious tax benefit is that you get to make money, make more money and potentially not necessarily pay more tax. Right. And so that's because real estate benefits from depreciation uh, and depreciation is uh, from from a practical perspective, not the technical definition uh, for for our other accounts and CPAs that are listening, the practical definition of depreciation is it's not an actual expense that goes out the door. So when you go buy residential real estate, perhaps even commercial real estate, you get a deduction that you get to take every year over time. If it's residential, you take your purchase price divided by 27 and a half. If it's commercial, you divide it by 39. That's the depreciation deduction that you get to take every single year. So basic math, let's just say uh, the way it works out is that you get a $10,000 a year depreciation deduction. That's how the numbers flow, just as an example. That basically means the first $10,000 of rent that you own, that you earn essentially come to you tax-free. 
let alone the additional write-offs you'll get from the actual expenses that you have to pay. But when you can earn up to $10,000 because you have a depreciation deduction and pay no tax, imagine what that looks like when your depreciation and the size of your purchase moves from 10,000 to 20 to 100 to 500,000 and so on. So that's really the, the huge power of real estate. Let a, the, the, the additional uh, item on top of that is while we depreciate real estate on the accounting side in practical life, real estate typically appreciates over time, which means the value grows. You've got equity. At some point you may be able to tax that equity and that comes to you relatively tax-free, especially if you do a cash out refi. Um, and there are major benefits when it comes to passing it to the next generation. So those are just two right. obvious things of, hey, right here, right now, how you can value or, or derive the value from real estate. Yeah, uh, Larry, you know, when I first heard about this depreciation, I was blown away initially. And I, uh, I've had conversations with other people who have had sort of these similar doubts well, the you know, obviously we're talking about depreciation and appreciation and people traditionally think that or we know that real estate is historically has appreciated over time. Mm -hmm. Right. So the first uh, inclination is to think, well, it's going to appreciate. What is what is this depreciation all about? And when I first understood that it's actually built into the IRS, the, the tax code that in the eyes of the IRS, uh, you know, the, the building itself depreciates in value. Um, and that you, I think you you have to take that depreciation, right? That's like mandated by IRS, if I'm not wrong, to take that depreciation, um, uh, you know, and of course there are different ways of doing it, but I will let you allude to this, you know, kind of clarifying what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about depreciation uh, in terms of the value of the asset. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'll get into that, but I'm going to answer the, the first part of the question. Uh, do you have to take depreciation? Listen, if you don't, if you have not taken depreciation, the IRS, if and when you sell that asset, assumes that you have taken it, and so it will behoove you not to go back and amend those prior year returns to capture your depreciation deduction because they will assume that you have taken it over time. Uh, so again, how does depreciation work? Well, again, technically it's the, um, uh, the depreciation is, is essentially the uh, reduction of value of the asset over time even though we know in real life real estate appreciates. So they basically tell in you- In the eyes of the IRS, in, in the eyes of the IRS. Yep, yep, in the eyes of the IRS, the reduction of value over time. So simple math, let's just say we got a $250,000 residential property. The IRS says 27 and a half years is the useful life. So that gives you about a $9,000 a year depreciation deduction. So you bought the property for 250K, you get to depreciate $9,000 a year, every year for 27 and a half years or for however long you, you, uh, you own it. So again, a, a basic way of thinking about that, my first $9,000 of rental income comes to me tax-free. Um, and then you can get into other strategies like accelerated depreciation, cost segregation studies, which I'm sure we'll talk about, that can explode that $9,000 number to something much higher in the first year. But that's, that's practically how it goes. And over the time, you've now earned your rental income, you've taken your depreciation deduction, which means you've gotten tax efficient money. And again, hopefully you've built equity in the property. Maybe you now have access to 50, 60, 70, $80,000 that you can um, now pull out relatively tax-free by way of a refi. Yeah. And when you sell the asset, and this is important because we talk about depreciation, well, great, that IRS is, you know, giving us this money, essentially 
whatever you know, people may think it's free money but it's not actually free right because there is a there's a concept of depreciation recapture say you've been mm-hmm. depreciating the asset for 10 years and now you decide to sell the asset so let's talk about depreciation recapture what is depreciation recapture yep so it's exactly what it sounds like the IRS requires you to recapture a portion of the depreciation deduction that you've taken throughout the life of the asset uh, depreciation recapture breaks down into a, a few different subcategories where you've got 1250 recapture, 1245 recapture and then unrecaptured 1250 uh gain. So uh the the numbers and we can get into the nuances uh, that may or may not be beyond the scope of today, but the numbers in terms of how they break down a portion of what you've taken as a deduction over those past years has to be recaptured. And depending on where it falls in those buckets, it's going to be recaptured at what we call ordinary income tax rates. Remember when you sell an asset, you pay capital gains tax. but because you depreciated that asset a portion of the capital gain is going to be subject to recapture so you're going to pay a higher rate at that point you start to look at your tax efficient exit strategies sometimes you take you sell the asset and you take the money and run well when you do that a tax is going to be waiting for you but you have other tax efficient exit options like a 1031 exchange perhaps buying another property and then accelerating depreciation on the new property you could use a Delaware statutory trust deferred sales trust all these different mechanisms that could help you exit a property in a tax efficient way um but that kind of gives you an idea of what recapture looks like Yeah, and let's talk about the 1031 exchange because I think that's something that uh, a lot of investors use fairly commonly and I just want to um you know give this flavor of 1031 exchange and also the Delaware statutory trust pardon me yeah. um what what they all entail and how they help us defer taxes because um it's one thing to be smart about depreciating your asset and then the other thing is when you exit you got to be smart about that because you know uncle sam's waiting uh with that big tax bill for you to pay yeah yeah absolutely so the 1031 exchange um is perhaps the most well-known tax deferral vehicle whenever you're selling real estate uh, real estate and it's really just a testament to to code section 1031 in the in the IRS tax code and it essentially says that look if you exchange your old property meaning you sell it uh and buy new property like kind property specifically that they call it uh which is you know sell real estate buy real estate like kind then you can potentially defer your capital gains tax uh as well as defer the depreciation recapture on the sale the 1031 has all kind of rules you have to abide by in terms of 45 days of reckon uh of um identifying property 180 days to close but the point there is if you work with your intermediary and your tax advisor and you can get those parameters locked down you can potentially exit a property avoid depreciation recapture acquire a new property that's of equal or greater value hopefully it cash flows at a higher rate and continue to earn your tax benefits on the new asset uh, so it could be a really powerful wealth building strategy we we've known people who've had this moniker exchange 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 and die right which basically means continue to do 1031 exchanges and then once you pass away that property then rolls to your uh, family to the next generation in a very tax efficient way and when it rolls over to your family they're not taxed if they sell it right that's they're, right they're, those taxes don't carry on that's right because what they receive is what's called a step up in basis and what that basically means is at on the date of death whatever the fair market value of that property is that's now your family's fair market value so 
Maybe you bought a $250,000 property, you held on to it, and when you pass away, it's worth $800,000. Your family then walks into that property at a $800,000 basis, which means they can start to depreciate at $800,000. Or they could sell the property for $800,000 and pay no tax on it because their basis is eight hundred, dollars um, So there are a lot, a lot of benefits when you think about it that way. And, and you know, that's why real estate is so, is so powerful because not only are you appreciating the asset, not only are you cash flowing from the asset, you're also depreciating the asset and you're being savvy about your tax efficiency. And, you know, you make money in various different ways in real estate. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, I mean, of course, you, you'll make money on the rental income, you can have access to capital on the refi. You could have access to tax efficient capital um, on the exit. So there are definitely a lot of different ways to uh, to to make money on real estate throughout the life of uh, of you holding it. It is, um, you know, I know it's gaining popularity nowadays, but it, you'd be hard pressed to find another asset class that comes close to it from a purely from a tax perspective. Yeah. And, um, you know, in terms of these syndications, right, larger buildings, we have these limited partners who are investing passively. And a lot of my my listeners would, you know, want to invest passively in deals. How do we pass these tax advantages down to our investors? Yeah, great, great question. So syndications, which have become really popular uh, as of late, um, you, essentially, you replicate the exact system that we just talked about, where you go acquire property, you have the uh, depreciable losses and other uh, tax benefits that roll through and then they're passed to the investors. So the same way it happens on the single family level for an, a landlord, it happens on the syndication level. The big difference is instead of a $250,000 property, we're talking about a $25 million, $50 million, $100 million property. Instead of $9,000 of depreciation, we're talking about $900,000, $9 million of depreciation. And when you're an investor in those kind of syndications, you get a pro rata share, basically whatever your percentage of ownership, you get a share of that um, tax benefit. You'll have distributions that come back to you, return of your capital. You'll have um, the depreciable losses, what a lot of people refer to as, as quote unquote negative K-1s that come back to you. Um, how you use those K-1s year in and year out will vary um, depending on the investor, but essentially you derive the same benefits now you're just playing with a bigger pie, piece of the pie, than if you were doing it at the individual level. All right, guys, if you haven't done already, please go check out my free video series on how to do due diligence on operators and on deals before investing in them. It's called Real Estate Rx for Passive Investors, and it's available at www.rerxcourse.com.